Eternal Dirtles is a podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and supporters like you. Come to our Patreon at patreon.com slash eternaldirtles and support us. Thanks. Hey everybody, I just want to give a real quick disclaimer to let you know that around the uh, 19 and a half minute mark of this podcast, there's a bit of a uh, sound anomaly. Uh, that clears up at a, after about a minute. Uh, we just had some trouble recording something. Uh, Nate had his recording as a backup. Uh, so I want to keep it in because I thought that uh, the points being made for that minute were pretty important. Uh, normally I would just edit it out, but I think that uh, you guys deserve to hear that part. So um, thanks for bearing with us. Uh, and like I said, it's just going to take about a minute and it'll uh, it'll clear right back up and go to normal audio again. With that said, uh, you know, I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, thanks for listening. Y'all know me, Phil B, Eternal Dirtles Legacy. Hated by these net decks, banless, and those Hasbros, Wasi. Nate G, real OG. Arklet and Mavericky. Cradled out the Heron's host, so give no f about Lily V. Zach C, Berserker Dude. Pulls the rug on your attitude. Days then waste trick, flip this Delva. Swing for three with some altitude. Got bruise? We do. Metagame breakdown info too. Listen up, cause here's the show where we stack our decks like spicy news. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark. With me as always, Nathan Golian. Nate, how's it going? Doing really well. Yeah. Uh, we got a crossover episode tonight, guys. Yeah. Excited? Are you excited? He asked no one. <laughs> well, you know, they're, they're listening. Everyone's everyone's laughing in their car. The esteemed Jerry Me the Third has joined us tonight. <laughs> welcome. Welcome, man. Ah, oh, thank you. Dropping the third, making it so formal. I'm, um, I, I was not expecting such a uh, robust welcome, uh, breaking out all the superlatives. Well, <laughs> well you no, are the, uh, you are a recent Grand Prix Top Eight competitor, which is, you know, royalty in Legacy since yeah, you're so few. All the, all the accolades and, uh, and, and rights, uh, they're, they're with two. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like it's, I, I guess it still hasn't really sunk in because, like, people say that I'm like, oh, I just I top eighted a tournament. It's like top eighting a local, right? And we were like, no, there's only been like a handful of legacy GPs in the history of legacy. Yeah. Uh, like I think there's probably less than a hundred legacy top eighters or something like that. But um, yeah, I, I, it just hasn't really sunk in for me. I, I like people keep coming up and congratulating me about stuff, and it's slowly sinking in, but it's still a very weird feeling. Well, I saw you at Niagara and uh, was, you know, you know, in and out of the building for the weekend, you know, checking in on how you were doing and you were very composed. In fact, you listened to me rant about uh, my family for like five minutes. And oh, it, took it, totally it was distract. enjoyable. No, it, was, it was a good conversation. And, but yeah, I think that was like right before I was playing my winning in for top eight, too. So like, I'm like, oh, I get to talk to Nate about like tax law for a bit. And that'll, that'll calm, calm me down before. Uh, get, your head, uh, get your head out of the game, right? Just like float. Yeah, I think the the trick was like everyone was like, "Oh, were you nervous? Were you shy?" I'm like, "Oh no, I I like didn't really feel anything at all because the entirety of day two I was operating under the assumption I was already dead for top eight. Um, I picked up my two losses on day one, and just with like larger tournaments, like picking up two losses on day one is pretty much guaranteed to keep you out of top eight. 
So that entire day too, I was just operating on the assumptions like, oh, we're playing for like top 32, like maybe top 16 if we get lucky. And then going like I, I win round 15 or no, I, uh, I win round 14 and I'm like getting ready to play round four, uh, 15. My friends are like, oh, so you're just going to split in. I'm like, oh, like split into the top 16. They're like, no, like split into top eight. Like you, you can do this. <laughs> yeah, if so, I recall, yeah. If I recall correctly, you were in eighth place. Yes. Yeah. It was uh, in eighth place. So yeah. it was a bit of a, bit of a nail biter. I, I was talking with Rich Shea beforehand when they put up the bearings and he's like, I'm pretty sure you can split, but some weird stuff might happen, which will knock you out. And then I talked to Tom Smiley, who was also with us and Tom's a math teacher. So if anyone I want to tr trust breaker math on it's him. And Tom's like, yeah, no, you're locked. Just, just split your locked. You're good. <laughs> so that's, I didn't realize I was in top eight. Like I was even in contention for top eight until I was already locked for top eight. So did a, did a good job for my nerves, not really having to think about it at all. Pro tip, now that I think about it, I have a couple of math teachers' phone numbers from when I was in high school. I should be using that more often. <laughs> yes. <Jeez. laughs> how, how, how long have you had the same phone, Zach? Uh, these are people I, I hung out with after high school. Oh, not your math teachers from high school. Yeah, the, cool. no, they're my math okay. teachers from high school, actually, <laughs> also. Oh. I went to county um, college. Give me a break. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I remember, and I, I think you guys mentioned it, that there was a – there was some question about whether or not Kevin Jones and his he had been paired up and they were playing and the, the guy who he was playing against was in was above you. But I think you had the same amount of points. Mm -hmm. and I think there was a question about whether or not if Kevin had won, you could you would have been able to draw in. And mm -hmm. all I remember is <laughs> so at the same time, our friends, uh, you know, I played the MCQ that day and with our friends Leah and Tim and we were going to go to Anchor Bar in or not into Anchor Bar, uh, to the Pearl Street Brewery, which is in the city of Buffalo, and then I was going to drop them off at the airport. But Kevin borrowed his entire deck from from Tim, as in like he <laughs> called Tim and was like, That's "Here's great. 75 cards. Could you bring these 75 cards?" So Tim's like, "Well, I think I think Kevin might be able to make top eight. And that's what, that's the only reason I walked over to the standings and saw you figuring out if you could make top eight. And then I'm like. <laughs> I don't know. So like, so well, what do you want to do? He's like, well, I want to stay to see if he doesn't make the top eight that I can grab my cards tonight. And that way I don't have to go. I don't have to wait till he brings them home because we have to make our flight. Their flight was at like six o'clock or something. Mm -hmm. So we were sitting there watching Kevin who was playing like a, the blue white stone blade deck against Grixis control. And it's like this super grindy matchup. And we're like, because we're all start, we're all starving. You know, the three of us were starving and there was like tension, but we were so far out. I didn't play in the in main event. They didn't play day two, but we were all like locked in on this winning in. But yep. it was all just to see if we could like go get food in 15 minutes. And Is you were doing the same thing to see if you could make time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I think Kevin, uh, I think one of his matches, too, because he had two draws and that's why it was debatable whether he could make it in or not. But, yeah, I think like. One of his matches went like 15 or 20 minutes over time. Um, like uh, I think it was like round 12 or 13. And <laughs> basically the entirety of day two was just watching their match, just waiting for them to finish up. Yeah. Jeez. And it looks like yeah. he, he did not make it into top eight. He, I assume he lost that match. He lost the match. And the other guy, it was the, the guy who was playing, I think the uh, four color control deck, um, the four color strife. Oh, uh, Edgar Magalhães, yeah, Edgar yeah, Magalhães, I think was his name. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, punishing, um, punishing Dak. I like punishing to refer Dak. To it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Tim so anyway, got his cards back. 
So Tim got his cards back, and then we went to, uh, then we drove into Buffalo to go to Pearl Street, where we ordered 30 wings. Yeah, I, I, I will say I didn't get to have any of the famous Buffalo wings. Uh, the downside of doing well at a GP is you don't actually get to see the rest of the city or the, you know, nearby cities uh, in this case. That's yeah. why whenever I go to uh, there's a GP at somewhere that's cool, I try and travel a couple of days early. So if I want to see actually experience the city, because, uh, you know, you don't travel. I, I don't personally travel a ton. So when I do, I like to, you know, get some experience out of it. I'll I'll go a couple days early and be like, okay, well I did, you know, Las Vegas a little bit, or I did Florida, you know, I, I got to go to Disney World or something. Uh, otherwise, I mean, it's Niagara Falls, like you're not missing much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm what that's what I'm doing for the Pro Tour. So the Pro Tour, I ended up getting uh, the invite for uh, for topping the GP is Pro Tour Barcelona. So I'm like, all right, <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and everyone I've been talking to has been saying, you know, like. I've never been to Barcelona, but everyone I know who has been to Barcelona says it's like one of their favorite all-time cities. It's so. a really cool place to be, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you I think I'm. There, Zach? Yep. When you went to Portugal? Uh, no, not when I went to Portugal. Uh, a few years earlier in 2010. Oh, I didn't know you had been there. It was before cool. I came back to Magic, so you know that that gray area of 12 years where nobody knew me. <laughs> I was three and zero. I was three and zero in the MCQ on Sunday, and I texted my wife, and I'm like, I'm three and zero. She's like. And I told her, I'm like, she's like, what's, what is the surprise? I said, well, if I win, it's a, you know, an invite to the pro tour in Barcelona. She goes, don't lose. <laughs> and then I lost. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you should have a great time. You know what's funny? I was thinking about that actually the other day. Like your, your invite is to Barcelona, which means you have to like, you know, figure out international travel and it's going to be like a big personal investment, but at least you get to go and you give a reason to go to Barcelona and you're going to get recoup some of your expense and get to play magic. But like some people are winning these things, and then their invite is to like Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, or like Detroit. <laughs> Just yeah, like... Minneapolis. <laughs> like all these places that have had pro tours recently. I was like, that's kind of funny. Like, yeah, like I would win. I was honestly, I was just like, oh, yeah, I got this pro tour. I'm probably not going to go. And then someone's like, oh, but it's in Barcelona. I'm like, all right, I'll probably yeah, go I'll then. If it it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but not like I don't I just don't really like I've never been all about the pro experience. I've always been more about the magic community, yeah. like be, also just being a legacy player, like no diehard legacy players. Like I'm going to be the best, most famous legacy player in the world because it's just like it just doesn't exist. Like there isn't there isn't the pro tour of legacy. I just feel people's priorities who uh who primarily play legacy are much different than the the average uh spikes of magic so like i've never really cared much about the pro tour or doing well in the pro tour but yeah that that destination that european vacation definitely uh yeah. changed minds i feel I like talked a little... for do you know do, being like part of one of the larger podcast you're one of the more well-known podcasts for legacy that's that's that experience. That's the magic celebrity experience for it's community based for, for uh legacy. And I think that's, yeah, for, that's kind uh, of, for sure. you know, what it is. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. Cause, uh, uh, the episode before the GP, I was telling Pat like, yeah, I'm just going to tell people what I'm on because you know, if they get paired against me and they listen to the show and they know what I'm on, you know, all the power to them, yeah. you know, that's, that's cool. And then I went to the, the event and like, uh, I would say six or seven of my day one opponents all listened to the cast and knew what I was on as I sat down. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna have to rethink this strategy. This is uh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe I should not uh, just <laughs> give away my deck list if that's the case. <laughs> well, it, it is one of the interesting things that that we talk about when there's a tournament coming up. 
do like not that we expect people to make their deck choices based on what we're going to play but it's like you want to be current and you want to talk about what you're working on but you are just kind of like spilling the beans on what you're doing i mean so when you're like look it worked out for you you know like you got all you still beat those people for the most part right like yeah i think that's that's one of the things from you know i i started playing in 93 94 and and back back in the day like up to 99 when i stopped playing it was all about hiding your tech from people and no you know like covering your book during the test sort of stuff and I feel like a lot of that mentality has gone the way of the dodo as people start to share more and talk more about it in their articles about what they're doing and how they're coming about the game and stuff. And I think that that is an overall positive for the game, but maybe a negative for the individual sometimes. But like you were able to top eight, even yeah, letting everybody know that. Yeah, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll say that yes and no. Um, I would say people are more willing to share, especially compared to the early days of Magic. Uh, what I will see, say that I, I see pretty often, even in the legacy community, is there's a certain amount of clickiness in the legacy community um, where there's groups of individuals uh, who all kind of operate together on like Facebook chats and uh, Discord servers, less in the Discord servers, but there are certain kind of like chats where people will talk and they'll be very protective about their ideas and they'll be very protective uh, about their tech and their deck lists uh, because people do want to have that scoop. You know, they do want to sure. be that person who shows up to an event. You know, I think probably one of the biggest examples was uh, like Bob Huang showing up with to the SCG with Blue Red Delver using Treasure Cruise back when people didn't think Treasure Cruise was good. <laughs> like or didn't people, quite see that you could just yeah. blow away games with it. Yeah, yeah, people are like, uh, eight mana is a lot, even with I'll put Delve. two of these in my deck, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll try. And then yeah. Bob Bob shows up with Blue Red Delver and just blows everyone away with it. So, like, people do want to have that experience. They want to, you know, be like Bob and just kind of blow the competition out of the water with this spicy new tech. Uh, for me, I actually feel that is probably my biggest, my bigger competitive draw, even more than doing um, well at tournaments. I want to do well at tournaments with my deck. Um, yeah. like I love that Edgar top aided, uh, with punishing Dak cause that deck is actually really close to my heart. I wrote a couple of articles on it probably, uh, almost two years ago at this point. Uh, and I always loved that deck cause it was super spicy and I kind of have a habit of playing decks that are more spicy than good. <laughs> so I was really happy to see Edgar do really well with that sweet list. Yeah, I definitely agree on all those points. And what, uh, maybe for a recent example, when we had, we, uh, talked to Ben Friedman after the pro tour about the death shadow deck and like putting throne of Gethin and like, how'd you, you know, that's like, and that came out of nowhere. Right. Yep. You know? <laughs> and he was like, and like most of that tournament was Eldrazi and, or a lot of that tournament turned out to be Eldrazi. It was just like this crazy good, this crazy good call they had that no one knew about. And like all of us seasoned legacy players had never even thought of it or considered it seriously. So, um, so yeah, I, um, I wanted to talk a little bit, unless you wanted to say more about the tournament, but you did do a very comprehensive, boy, it's like an hour and a half long with uh, with Pat, right? Almost two, maybe almost two hours. Oh, yeah. Of yeah. Going through the whole tournament, and I, we don't, you know, I don't have to rehash all of it. But <laughs> the other thing, I, actually, I wanted to say quickly about your the tournament, your deck, was that, you know, listening to what you put in the sideboard and what you liked. I tell a, I tell a story on the cast sometimes, or definitely to tell people about, like, um, this time our friend was in, like, a winning in for it wasn't a winning in for the top eight but like the the winner of this finished in the top 16 of a tournament and got 200 dollars, and the loser got 100 dollars like prize money mm -hmm. if they because they would have fallen on the top 16 and 
it was my our friend was playing Red Prison and the other guy was playing Show and Tell and the guy playing Show and Tell had one, exactly one out in his entire 75 to a resolved ensnaring bridge. And it was a uh, Grim Lava Man. One Grim Lava Man series. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the point is, like, you know, so our, but of course, our friend had a chalice on one and missed his trigger. But, like, so this, so there, he's actually sweating this Grim Lava Man, sir, after a judge call about the trigger. But I was just like, oh my God, I just wish this guy would draw a wipe away or something. So, like, and, I, and after the, after like an hour with multiple judge calls related to Trinisphere and all this stuff, the game finally, like, you know, he's like, and he shakes my friend's hand. He goes, yeah, I didn't have another out to that ensnaring bridge other than the Grim Lava Mancer. And all our friend has to do is, like, remember his trigger, and the, the match is, like, half an hour shorter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you had, but the point is, you had not just Grim Lava Mancer. I think you had Crater Maker and maybe a couple yeah. other things, too. So I definitely think people should take a look at your list and respect that card if you're playing show and tell, because come on. like. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will just... Yeah, for people who might not have heard on uh, in the other sources, I've been posting a lot about it also in the uh, the show and tell uh, Facebook group, uh, Real Thing Education Presentation. Uh, <laughs> that's the, the literal Japanese translation of show and tell. So that's, oh, what that's amazing. <laughs> Real Thing Education Presentation. Um, so, but um, yeah, uh, Grim Lava Mancer was great. Crater Maker was great. Uh, definitely really like those in the sideboards, especially Grim Lava Mancer. Like Grim Lava Mancer is an MVP. I really think it it has a spot uh, in the sideboards right now on uh, this meta in particular, like you can just do some really cool things like this didn't happen during the GP, but this happened uh, when I was playing on Moto the other night and like my opponent was swinging in with a Vendillion click for lethal and I brainstormed into Grim Lava Mancer, activated Grim Lava Mancer off of, uh, uh, off of sneak attack. So it got. Oh, oh God. <laughs> and then activated the Grim Lava Mancer to kill the Vendillion click. And my opponent just like, yep, you got that. <laughs> Good hand. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Grim Lava Mancer uh, is, is quickly becoming one of my favorite cards. Is one of mine as well. Zach, you played Grim Lava Mancer. Oh, I, 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 I'm a huge Grim Lava Mancer fan. It's, it's one of the, the greatest tools in in the rug sideboard for cards like... Uh, uh, for cards, for decks like Infect and stuff, where you can just be, you can completely control the game uh, against creature decks with that card. Yeah, well, I remember it's uh, it's probably one of Red's best card advantage cards. I remember back in the day when I first started playing an onslaught block, um, Grim Lava Mancer was a big part of uh, you know the local meta back then, and it just like it just allowed Red decks to have this uh, control over the game that you know it hadn't had since uh, like Curse Scroll days. Curse Scroll, yeah. oh. I definitely like went to buy Torment Grim Lava Mancers for middle school the other day. They're like um, sixteen bucks. Yeah, they were like twenty Ridiculous. bucks each. Uh, well, yeah, believe me, I was I was gonna get foil Grim Lava Mancers from Torment until I realized that they're like oh, hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. absurd. So you had foil M10s or whatever or M13s. No. So I have uh, I have foil uh, the fire ones right yeah fire and lightning yeah yeah so, I have I have four of those as well <laughs> so my my deck is a bit of a troll deck uh, people when they first look at my deck they're like oh look how look how beautiful it is it's all like foiled out legacy deck and then they take a closer look at it and they're like why are these all so ugly yeah <laughs> it's I because... expedition ancient tombs yeah I play expedition D. you should really be in jail <laughs> no, uh... <laughs> it's because the theme of the the theme of the deck is it's promo foil and promo oh, foils so historically are 
are people's like least favorite foils. So the uh, like the F and M brainstorms. I have the Yu Gi Oh omniscience, <laughs> uh, the fire and lightning uh, uh, grim lava mancers. Uh, I have the M20 Jace. That one probably gets the most salt. People people really just don't like that uh, from <laughs> from the vault foil Jace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, it just it kind of fits the theme of the deck. I like my uh, my salt theme of uh, right. <laughs> of my legacy deck. Right. Let me tell you something, brother. You're here listening to this Eternal Dirtles podcast, but what you need to do is go over to Eternal Dirtles Patreon www.patreon.com slash Eternal Dirtles. And show your support, brother. Yeah. Well, so when this GP was announced, I simultaneously messaged Zach and Phil, and also uh, you, Jerry, in our in our our Facebook chat with um the dead format to just talk about like the fact that this GP was going to be on Easter weekend in Niagara Falls. You know, I feel like I remember we said we felt like we were being a little bit like set up to fail, especially considering the fact that the last Legacy GP had had. I don't, I don't know, know lackadaisical attendance over Labor Day weekend. And I think we all decided we didn't really want, we wanted to at least be on the record saying, hey, you know, please don't hold this against us if it, that's how it works out. And I would say that it was mixed how I felt the actual GP turned out. It was a, it was a small GP by 2019 standards. I think it was just under 1,000 people. Um, now, that's still a lot of people. <laughs> It, you know? it was more than I was expecting. I will yeah. do that. I think a lot of people um, that I talked to came despite the, it, the, it being Easter. I know Ian didn't think he was going to be able to go. But then, uh, you know, his his wife was like, no, you should go. Um, same with Tom. Uh, same with, with Pat. Me, that was the same deal with yeah, me. Yeah, you too. So a lot of people, even though it was over Easter, they decided, you know, because when we decided to go, there was a, there was kind of a – uh, bit in the air of just people thinking it's like, you know, this might actually be the last ever legacy GP, the way things are looking. So yeah. I think a lot of people made the effort. And it, even though it was under a thousand, that is much more than I was expecting uh, with it being the holiday that it was and the location it was in. Right. And I want to talk about the location a bit because when I, the one of the things I, of course I said was like, geez, you know, Niagara Falls isn't Buffalo. And like, I'm from the area. And I was just like, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it's not Buffalo. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a smaller city. If you even call it that there's not much to do on the American side. There's not like, it's not the best place to stay or walk around at night. It's, it's not near the Buffalo airport. Now I will make a culpa on one thing. It used to take a lot longer to get from the Buffalo airport to Niagara Falls because there used to be a toll gate on the Grand Island bridge. And that used to back up traffic like forever. <laughs> But uh, yeah. I guess they took that out and do cashless tolling now. So, so that's my own fault. I should have I should have known better. But I think that you know a lot of people realized once they got in that like yeah it's not that you know yes it's not that long a drive to the airport. It wasn't an hour like it used to be. Now it's maybe 30, 40 minutes. But you know it's still you're still not in like a center like downtown area like we were for Eternal Weekend or like we were for Seattle. You know <laughs> where we could walk to stuff. We like we had the group dinner at the like local rundown like slot casino. All you can whoa, 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 hold on a second. Hold on a second. 
you know, I put myself through college playing poker in the poker room at that casino. What is so. it, Mohegan Sun or something? Like, no, what? it's not. It, the Seneca Niagara Casino has a poker room. It's not just a slot casino. <laughs> I hope it's not the poker room, at least. I mean, but yes. Okay, anyway, yes. I remember, I remember you guys were looking for a location, and I was like, I was going to suggest Pearl Street, but I was like, I don't want to suggest a place that's like a 30, you know, 20 to 30 minute drive into Buffalo where people aren't going to make it, you know? And uh, you guys ended up going to the casino and I, you know, it was right. It was literally the only place that could hold all of us. And Rich Shea got the entire uh, staff at the buffet referring to us as wizards here for the wizard convention. So (laughs) all's well that ends well, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I I will tell you, like that's at night. I went um, after uh, I came in on Saturday because and then, you know, sort of checked in with everyone and played a side event. I went back to my brother's house. He lives in Buffalo and we went to like a brewery and then like a pizza place downtown and like all this, you know, he showed me like all these new things that have gone up since I moved. And I was just like, Oh, it's too bad. The GP wasn't in Buffalo. Like with all this cool stuff people could have done, you know, Roy's like, Oh, there's a brewery. And we went that way. He's like, there's another brewery over there. That's got like a bunch of tables and room, you know, and food. Uh, I, I mean, Niagara had the smoking Joe slip and slide. Uh, that, that was something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if people will be able to notice, but like right between our Airbnb and where the convention was or where the uh, GP was, was this massive like three or four story slide that was just full of just really like an indoor water park or something or no, it's like a, it's like a slide that you like a regular slide. Wow. That's and it was very like, it was like closed and run down like it had holes in it like <laughs> it. It, it probably hasn't been used in like 10 years. Also, it was like Native American themed, which was like, look at him like, this is I'm not <laughs> this is probably this is not this is not cool. This is yeah, this is like, <laughs> yeah, I will say I'm not sure that the Smokin' Joe's proprietors are Native Americans. I do know that they used to run commercials on the sports radio station to like go buy your cigarettes down on the res. And it always made me really uncomfortable because oh, man, <laughs> oh man. Um, past yeah, the, past the yeah. piece so pipe kind of stuff. But anyway, that, you know, and I think, so I think like, but I feel like people took it in stride and had a good time and had fun hanging out with each other, which is really the draw for our, for our community as legacy players. A lot of it is just like, Hey, you know, it's fun to like see each other and see people from out of town, you know? Um, and I think people took it in stride, but I still like, you know, it still wasn't like the best GP experience for people. And I I feel bad as being a Western New Yorker and thinking like, I kind of don't wish people didn't just go like come here and like go to Niagara Falls, New York, which is, you know, and then didn't get to go to like Buffalo and have fun, you know? Yeah. So it was was rough, but I mean, I do think our letter certainly had an impact and I think channel fireball did listen because we do have a second legacy GP this year, which we were, did I really did not think they were going to give us. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's no, I I, honestly, I would have bet money against this happening. Yeah. And I, I think this one's perfect. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go now just because my travel budget is probably going to be a bit strained with uh, traveling to Europe. But uh, like having it. <laughs> Humble brag. Having it, <laughs> no, he, just doesn't want, no he, just to, he doesn't want to defend his title every yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to retire on top. It's like, you know, no, no pun intended, no, no brag intended, <laughs> but, uh, no, but I mean, just like having it in Atlanta, which is like a central hub for airports. It's really yeah. easy to fly in and out of Atlanta, which is awesome. Atlanta is also a really cool city. And I, like, unless correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think for once they're not scheduling it on a major holiday like Halloween or Easter. <laughs> 
Yes, yeah. it's actually it's a nice time. It's like three weeks into September. So it's like, you know, three weeks to a month after school starts. So, you know, your kids are settled in and stuff like that, which is really nice for those of us who are, who are kids. And um, yeah, it's not like, you know, it's not a major holiday like Easter was, which uh, which turned out to be fun because I forgot that Sunday. I mean, I, didn't, I guess I forgot that Sunday was Easter and in Buffalo, Easter is kind of a big deal. So there's actually more stuff closed than usual in the area because it was Easter. So it won't be like that this time in Atlanta unless there's some sort of like holiday that I don't know about on September 22nd or whenever it is. But um, but yeah, no, I'm glad we did it. And I'm glad we did. I'm glad we sort of raised the issue. And I'm glad we we definitely showed that the legacy community wants to play like and wants to show up. Yeah, because sure. thousand thousand to twelve hundred, I mean, you know, twelve hundred ish people. I'm sure. I know I wasn't the only one who didn't play the main event that was there um, on Easter weekend in Niagara Falls. You know, I think you know. I think that we, I think we, we sort of, we sort of showed up a little bit. So if we have a nice, you know, fifteen hundred to two thousand player Grand Prix in Atlanta, I think that'll be even better for legacy Grand Prix going forward. I think Grand one Street. of the other good things about that leather uh, letter is that we proved that you can hold a company's feet to the fire without being total jerks about it. Um, which, you know, I, th- I think that the, the, if, if they did read that and change their minds about some things, I think that was what, what convinced them. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I mean, yeah, we were very, I mean, we worked on it for a while, Jerry, you and me. And uh, yeah, we, I forget who else, maybe Tom. I think Tom, Tom, Tom like came in with a couple of comments. But yeah, I think you and me, uh, we probably sent back like three or four different versions of the letter between us that we were just yeah. editing. So yeah. yeah, we definitely put in a lot of work, and I'm glad glad it turned out. Glad uh, we have another legacy uh, GP, and you know, let's just the goal is now let's make GP Atlanta as big as it possibly can. I'm super looking forward to it. I really am. Atlanta has so much of you know of the old school and middle school community as well. So we'll get to have some you know. We'll see some cool decks and some fun formats being played on the side as well. So it should be a really, uh, should be a really fun tournament. You should definitely go, Jerry. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to go because uh, I also have a really good friend that I, uh, I met him in like second grade, and we've been friends ever since. He lives in Atlanta now, so I, I want to get down there and visit him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I hope it's awesome. Also, yeah, I think you mentioned it earlier, but, uh, middle school, middle school is the new hotness. I really want to try out my new middle school deck. So I think GP Atlanta will be a good place to do that. What do you play in we middle should. school? Uh, I play, uh, Orcish Lumberjack, uh, Goblin Sharpshooter, Kamal Fistacrosa combo. Oh man. So, <laughs> so just like red, green land destruction. It's like make all your lands one ones, use Goblin Sharpshooter to kill them all. Oh my God. <laughs> It's great. I love it. I'm also a bad person. I think probably the next middle school deck I make is uh, it's probably going to be like a blue white standstill. I have <laughs> yeah, I have uh, like six decks in, in pre-modern now and one of them is stasis. So, yes, I'm also a terrible human being. Oh, well, yeah. The, the pre-modern the pre-modern middle school crossover is pretty substantial. Yeah. So you know. I thought is stasis legal in pre in uh, middle school? I thought it starts with uh, fourth edition. Well, yeah, stasis is, is, is uh, stasis. You can have stasis. Oh, is it? I thought it was only in revised. Oh, that's awesome. It. Oh man, now now I'm gonna have to make. <laughs> now, <one. laughs> yeah, right. No, it's totally going to going to TCG <laughs> player right now to pick up my stasis. I bet a fourth edition stasis is like eighty cents, so yeah, <laughs> it should yeah. be fine. Who, who am I kidding? I have dozens of stasis. Yeah. <laughs> stasis no, I think you're right. Like, I, and I, and I, I know Pat's been talking about it a bit, and maybe the four of us uh, will get a chance to talk about it on one of our, both of our podcasts at some point. I know we've been trying 
trying to uh, organize some stuff uh, on here to talk yeah. to some of the progenitors of the format. But it's a ton of fun. I mean, I think we might actually have a tournament in Texas uh, in June. So that'll be fun to get one in the U.S. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of pre-modern tournaments in um, in Europe. And then I know Jaco has been doing a few middle school tournaments in Chicago. Um, but, you know, time to sort of get that scene going in the U.S. It is it is a ton of fun. It really is. There's so many decks because like you actually have to try with mana. So like a lot of decks are different because it's not just all the same mana base with different cards. Yeah. Pain lands. You got to use pain lands. Yeah. For, uh, oh. yeah. Uh, Stasis looks like it's picking up. There are other degenerates out there. I'm looking right now. Stasis is uh, about five dollars for the fourth edition ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go, guys. Good work. What's good, yeah. good against stasis? I got to think about that now. Uh, oh, uh, having, friends. Having, having friends. Having friends is good against stasis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah Goshen be... soldier or having friends. It's, 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 you know, either one will work. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's see. How much time you guys got? We want to go a couple more places here? Yeah, sure. I got, I, I still have about a, a half hour to an hour, so I'm good. Cool. So today's May 1st, we're recording, or May 2nd, whoops. Happy today's birthday, Phil. But uh, yeah, happy happy May Day, everybody. Um, the London Mulligan was off MTGO effective yesterday, um, and I played a few games with it. I know, Jerry, you did extensive testing for the GP um, and played more MTGO than I did. I don't know if Zach got a chance to. Um, I avoided but, it like the plague. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, what did you think, Jerry? Do you what did you think of it that month of, of having the London Mulligan? Yeah, a lot of people have asked me about the London Mulligan, and like I should love the London Mulligan because my win rate went through the roof with it. Um, I was testing a lot for the GP before the London Mulligan went into effect, and I knew I was going to be on uh, Sneak and Show because I was uh, averaging about a 55, 60% win rate, which is very good for legacy. Like any deck where you can get that high of a win rate, um, you know, you, that is a, a solid deck that should, that's, you know, that's very, very good expectations going into a tournament. If that's what you're looking at for your win rate, yeah. London Mulligan came into effect and my win rate went up to like 70, 75%. It wow. was it was disgusting. So like London Mulligan was really, really good uh, for sneak and show. And I should love it. But that's actually what scares me the most about the London Mulligan. I don't see a world where the London Mulligan comes into effect and we don't see serious bans from the AB combo decks. And yeah, Grizzlebrand is going to be first on the chopping block for that. Yeah, for sure. Because it would whack so many of the AB combo decks at once. Yeah. Um, Exactly, which I think is a shame. I think Legacy is in a really good place right now. I'm really enjoying the way Legacy meta is shaping up. Yeah, I mean, I think that... <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say I didn't enjoy playing on Magic Online while it was happening. Um, it was just like, it was such a, it was so weird. It's like, is this the rules now? Like, I don't know what's going on, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> it's that, that kind of unsettling of, like, not knowing if this is going to stick or what it's going to look like. The other thing that is, I think, specifically for Legacy is just the amount of cards that have come in from War of the Spark. Like, to get the London Mulligan and War of the Spark cards at the same time would really... Oh, yeah. <laughs> is, that's a lot. And then Modern Horizon just creeping up, right? Like we gotta, we're gonna get that as well with some ostensibly pushed cards that you know that can't go into standard, and looking at war and seeing what can go into standard, like you know that that could be a lot of there could be a lot of changes and the format could be 
miserable or it could be great, but it's hard to tell, you know? And I kind of wish they would have made a decision by May 1st and just either said, never mind, we're going to do this, or no, we're not going to do it or something. Um, because at some point they're going to put it back on Magic Online and we're going to at least lose a day to the bugs. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, is it, is it, I mean, I haven't heard any announcements about the London Mulligan yet. I mean, is it still, I'm still holding out hope that they don't introduce it because I do think it's going to, it's going to cause major upheaval in Legacy, not necessarily for the best. Yeah, I don't think they have made a decision, which I was sort of surprised. I kind of felt like once they put it on Magic Online to test, that it was just going to be a perfunctory, like, the day at the last day of the Pro Tour or whatever, Mythic Championship in London, they're going to say, like, all right, this is this is our game now. These are the rules now. So get used to it. I was, I was mm-hmm. surprised they haven't done that. Um, the, I mean, there are good things about the London Mulligan. Probably the thing I like best about the London Mulligan is that it really reduces the power of cantrip decks. Um, you know, brainstorm ponder decks get a lot worse with the London Mulligan. Well, not a lot worse, but they're just like the biggest benefit of brainstorm ponder decks is you can keep these like junk hands and mulligans are much more forgiving because you have these cantrips to smooth them out. Yeah, now right. with with the London Mulligan, a lot of these non-blue decks have a way to compete on an axis that they didn't have before because the London Mulligan, the way it functions, allows them to smooth out their their junk mull, mulls and hands that way. And that's that's the problem with Sneak It Show. It's a brainstorm ponder deck that also benefits it. So it's just like getting getting like boosts on both sides. <laughs> so um, they, like that, it's a problem for the AB combo decks. But for the rest of the meta, I think the London Mulligan does do uh, some significant work in in helping reduce the amount of cantrips that we would see and the dependence people have on cantrips, which I think which I do think is good. Yeah, I mean the 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 main. I guess the main boon I would say of the of the London Mulligan is to fix the problem that uh, is the game's original sin, which is watching people at high levels uh, mulligan into oblivion and then lose completely non-skill based games uh, when you know thousands of people are watching is is extremely bad for the game. Um, and it's it's obviously it's not fun when you're even at your local and you have to mulligan to nothing. So um, this smooths that out a little bit. But I think that overall, like, uh, it's just something we we kind of have to live with. Oh, I think the problem with that, though, is you're replacing one sin with another. Exactly. You're going from yeah. mulliganing to oblivion to, oh, turn one Emrakul every single time with force backup. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, so I find myself when I when the London Mulligan was in effect, like, I was like, oh, maybe I'll just mull this, even though this is a good hand. Like, I can do better with six. And just having that having that extra option of being able to choose which card to put back. Like I was much more likely to mulligan and I was able to turn like, okay, sevens into like perfect turn one sixes numerous times to the point where I'm like, I think it might just be right to like mulligan (laughs) unless you have like, unless I already have the turn one kill, it might be right just to mulligan to six to see if I can get the turn one kill on my six. And a lot of the times it paid off. Yeah. I actually, well, I mean, I think I played Phoenix a little bit, and that's also a deck where you can, like, mulligan and find a good, like, a two-card combo in Dark Ritual and Buried Alive, and then bottom the 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 payoff, which you can search for, right? And, and it was funny, you mentioned reducing dependence on cantrips. I thought about Maverick, or even Four Color Loma, a deck I know you have some familiarity with, Jerry, where you're going to have Green Sun Zenith, or and or Night of the Reliquary, and or Stoneforge Mystic. And you can, you know, keep the cards and bottom the cards that are the things you search for, and not get stunk with uh, stunk stuck with these clunky openers. Yeah, with, like, like 
elves not having crater hoof in their opener, Stoneforge yeah. having batter skull, like the Duke yeah, of Bog are... just being in your in your opener instead of uh, being able to crop rotate it. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, there yeah. are there are a lot, and I, those are all the benefits of the London Mulligan, which which I think is good. But yeah, I just think it it benefits other decks just way 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 too much. Yeah. I agree, and I think we would see some sort of adjustment, but we'll see what they decide to go with as of this as of this speaking. I was gonna say writing, but this speaking is not implemented. <laughs> uh, um, don't 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 touch my grizzle brand, Watsy. That's all I'm asking. Don't touch my grizzle brand. <laughs> Van reanimate, and then we can still play tin fin. You know, like, <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. The problem is like reanimator. It didn't get at nearly the same boost because graveyard hate is so prevalent. Everyone runs graveyard hate, and the London Mulligan allows you to find that graveyard yard hate more often like ley lines get significantly yeah, better the sure. same is not true for sneak and show like people's sneak and show hate is varied across decks but it's not like the hard like graph diggers cage or rest in peace that shuts down reanimator decks um like sneak and show you have like containment priest but even that we can play around in snaring bridge like the the hate for sneak and show is a lot less effective than the hate for reanimator right um I wanted to say you mentioned when, when on the leaving, on leaving legacy that you were at, at one point played Nahiri in Show and Tell, and I wrote ah, yes. down I wrote down Nahiri to Fairy Show and Tell, um, but I think and Zach I don't know if you've seen any of this really, but like Teferi's made some waves for sure, but Narset is just like this crazy hammer, the new Narset that prevents your opponent from drawing unless you double impulse, like you know yeah. I, I saw and then you were talking about putting that into Show and Tell now, so I guess. No, 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 Nahiri to Fairy build, which I kind of thought sounded fun. <laughs> yeah, so gives you that I, reason to splash white, but uh, but I guess Narset's just so crazy. I I feel Narset's been really overlooked because people have been going so crazy over to Fairy. They haven't really been paying attention to the other ones, but yeah, I got Narset in a draft, and I played with it in draft. And I'm like, holy crap, this card's really strong. Um, but yeah, I think Narset is more likely to show up in the sneak and show builds. Um. With Teferi, like every, all the Sneak and Show players in the groups were talking about adding Teferi. It's like, oh, we can play our show and tells at instant speed. This is great, guys. And like just adding a third color to cast an off-curve Planeswalker that yeah. can't be cast off Ancient Tomb or City of Traders is just not what the deck wants to do. Um, I, I have seen some really cool builds like Esper control builds, though, using uh, I think the real power of Teferi is pairing it with black and using instant speed discard. Like I saw someone was doing like Raven's crime to lock their opponent out of a draw. Oh step. God! Yeah. <laughs> so so like, that's some disgusting stuff you can do with Teferi. Yeah, I I don't know about the, the thing is like I think that's cool and probably funny like the first few times, but like Teferi is so powerful on its own, you probably don't even need a third color. Like it's just like a good blue white card. I saw Eric Landon was powering it out with Noble Hierarch and um and Birds of Paradise in Bant. You know, had like that idea as well. Uh, just getting the first Teferi down. You could even do the first Narset down. Same thing, right? So, um, yeah, I think those Planeswalkers are going to make some sort of impact for sure. And we'll see how that, you know, impacts things. In fact, I thought it was funny. Like when I heard how good Teferi was in the Blue Mirror, I had a friend who uh, tests Stoneblade quite a bit. He played like, I think he said he played three or four leagues with it. And he was like, the Teferi was insane. I was like, maybe like that's another thing that makes your green decks good. Because you're playing at sorcery speed, so it's like, who cares if you can cast an instant on their turn necessarily? Like, I'm just gonna play a Carnage Tyrant or something. 
not a carnage tire, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, play it in, play at sorcery speed, green sun's the end of the sorcery, all that kind of stuff. So it's not like you're doing anything at the counter anyway. Yeah. But, uh, but Narset just rips apart so many of those strategies, like drawing cards off Sylvan library or something too. Like, Oh yeah. Like Narset, like it was good in draft. Like there's actually a surprising amount of cantrip cards in, uh, in war of the spark I noticed. Um, but like in legacy, Narset is even more relevant. Uh, people can't draw extra cards. And then that double impulse is just way more useful for the combo decks, just drawing you into, into your combo pieces. Um, I was kind of disappointed foils of that uncommon are already like 12, $15. Yeah. So I kind of missed the boat on that. Yeah. I went to buy one. It was in like a pile of, uh, discarded draft stuff at the store the other night. And I took a dollar out of my pocket and I handed it to the guy behind the counter. I was like, he's like a dollar. I'm like, it's an uncommon. It's a dollar. Here's a dollar. Take the entire dollar. <laughs> he's like, fine. <laughs> you insist, but I think it's worth more than a dollar. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, you know, I was like, it's a dollar. Here. Here, yeah. three dollars. Then you have to look up how much it costs. And I think it was a dollar. Um, but uh, I got to get going myself. I know you guys do as well. But uh Anything else, Zach? Uh, no, that's about all I can all I can think of. I mean, I want to I want to thank you, Jerry, for coming on. Uh, you know, we it's it, like I said, it's been a long time coming. We we've had to have you on here. Oh, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. It was great, a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I love uh, visiting all my fellow fellow podcast friends. It is. We are a growing, but also very tight knit community. Yeah. Um, and we have a couple new patrons as well. Josh Bingaman, a friend of Jerry's as well. Of, uh, uh, hell yeah. Awesome. Josh, is, Josh is awesome. He helped me re-sleeve my deck day too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we also are a new, a new uh, a patron named The Dead Format. I'm going to say thanks, Tom, for doing <laughs> that. And uh, Sean Riggin. I don't know if we mentioned him on our last uh, podcast, but he is also a recent patron. And uh, I think I saw him pop up in your Discord too, Jerry. So uh, maybe he's like me decided in one day to just support all the podcasts. <laughs> so that's what I did. I was like, I got home from Niagara and I had this like warm, fuzzy feeling. And I'm like, all I'm doing, I'm giving everybody three bucks a month. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> but all right. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jerry, for coming on. And uh, I'll see you around. We'll, uh, you know, be in touch. Yeah. Sounds good. Sure. We'll all right, man. Soon. See you guys. Have a good one. Can you see any more stuff? It's how it goes. Keep it up with the Joneses. Stop, stop, any more stuff. Can you see any more stuff? It's how it goes. Keep it up with the Joneses. Keep it up with the Joneses. Keep it up with the Joneses. All right. Where does he get those wonderful toys?